Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't some bad hat It's a Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Leary. And today we'll be discussing Never Have I Ever, season one. Damask Leary, mm-hmm. you're a real person in the flesh I that am. I am looking at for the first time face in weeks. Face to face. Unbelievable. I can smell you. I can touch you. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Made it weird instantly. <laughs> you're how, welcome. How are you doing? Good. You've now met Pearl. I have. Um, our adopted furry daughter. Uh and I want that to just people to think that she is a human being now. That you have adopted a but furry I'm just sh- child. Sh- shaming her body hair. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's a little pomapoo and she's adorable. Um, so I've just been dealing with her. How are you? Good. I was more attacked by her in the cutest sense. Oh, she's vicious, isn't she? She's just like straight for the face. She'd kill you. Like instantly yeah. for the face. Mm-hmm. Little those tiny little razor sharp needle claws. Yeah. Well, and you've got a delicious beard. It's not really her fault. <laughs> That's what it is. Mm. She's giving me a scratch like I gave her. Mm-hmm. She's adorable. Mm-hmm. And now I want one. Uh, what have you been up to? Um, I've been watching the... Fuck, what's it called? The Last Dance. I have been watching that, but I've also been watching... The Great? The Great. Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> the Queen, the favourite? No, what is <laughs> The Great? Um, both of those are fantastic. I'm really enjoying them. So, what is The Great? I'm not super so aware of this. The except Great that's on Hulu. is written by the guy who wrote The Favourite. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, except obviously it's about Catherine the Great. Right. And it stars Al Fanning yes. and Nicholas Holt. Cool. They are both incredible. The entire, entire cast is amazing. The script is, if you watch the favourite, then you know this um, amazing, mm-hmm. um, beautiful production. I love a period piece, all those costumes and gorgeous sets. It's it's just really sharp. It doesn't shy away from like the terrible things that mm-hmm. happen both in the in and out of the court um, at that time. It's very very funny. It's just amazing. So if you like the favourite. Definitely watched The Great. I loved The Favourite. Yeah, me too. I loved The Favourite. This is weird. Was Nicholas Holt in The Favourite? I have this weird memory of him being a character in that, but maybe that wasn't him. I'm going to think of somebody yeah, else. Yeah, he was because, oh, I'm, yes. I'm guessing it's different. He's play, playing a different role, obviously. Mm-hmm, but I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's a little bit of crossover there. Anyway. Yes. just Very different character, but he's amazing. Yeah. He's, yeah, incredible performance. Speaking of Nicholas Holt, did you hear they've announced a Mad Max prequel, Mad Max Fury Road? Did you like no. Mad Max? Yes. So yes, I love We saw it at like IMAX. We did. And that was incredible. George Miller has announced, it's now officially announced they're making a Furiosa prequel. However, oh. Charlize Theron won't be playing Furiosa. Right. She's going to be a younger actress. And they've talked about it being Jodie Comer possibly is in the talks mm. to play the role, which is interesting. see that. Um, have you watched the Parks and Rec special yet? So, before we started recording, you asked me this and I said, no, I'd forgotten again. So, on air, 
you're doing this on purpose to publicly shame me and I don't appreciate it. No, I haven't watched it. Fuck you. Oh, shame, shame, shame. I'm sorry. I've got a terrible memory. Get on that. And when you've done with that, go watch the community table read mm-hmm. of um, okay. the season five episode, Cooperative Polyography. Not an easy title to remember. No, but it's a sequel to Cooperative Calligraphy, essentially. Yeah. It's a bottle episode sort of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's... Watching it, obviously, I've seen the episode before. It's not the same because the actors aren't in the room together. Yeah. And the first five minutes, I was just sort of like, oh, this is fine. Mm-hmm. And then it hits a point and it just takes off. And you remember how well written this show is, mm. how perfect everybody is at these roles, mm-hmm. how none of them are missing a fucking beat since mm-hmm. they played those roles, you know, <laughs> seven, eight years ago since they've done it. And I just want the show back. But yeah. I'm not getting the show back. That's not happening. Yeah. But I've never, ever wanted the movie more. And more. it's never seemed mm. more possible. And then there's a 40-minute Q&A afterwards as well that's also just adorable. Um, oh, that's nice. Although Alison Brie... Alison Brie's making some foot fetishes very happy in this video. <laughs> very happy. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get those <laughs> those hits, don't you? Uh, no, it's it's it was really, really cool. And just super sweet. If you're a community fan, you're going to... You have a really good time with it. Definitely cool. check it out. And easy to find on YouTube. Mm. Uh, all right. Let's not dilly-dally. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Never Have I Ever Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Never Have I Ever is an American coming-of-age comedy drama television series created by Lang Fisher and actor, writer, and producer of The Office US and The Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling. The comedy is partially based on Kaling's real childhood story growing up in the Boston area and is about an Indian-American high school student dealing with friends, dating, and her family after the death of her father. The series stars Matrei Ramakrishnan, Porna Jagannathan, Raika Morjani, Jaron Lewison, Darren Barnett, Lee Rodriguez, Ramona Young, Nisi Nash, Sentil Ramamuthri, and John McEnroe as himself. Never Have I Ever Season 1 premiered on Netflix on April 27th, 2020. Consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 26 minutes, and took us approximately 4 hours and 25 minutes to watch. At the time of this recording, a second season has not been announced. So leading into this... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's obviously no prequel series to this, but what's your familiarity with Mindy Kaling before this series? What have you watched of hers? Um, I have watched The Office, obviously. Um, I did watch The Mindy Project. That's what I had experienced of her in terms of television. And then I watched her um, movie that she did with Emma Thompson, the late night one, yeah. which I did not love. Um, but they're both great. Um, so yeah, that was it. I actually own her book, but I haven't ever actually read it. It's sitting on my bookshelf. This is her autobiography yeah. sort of situation? Mm. Okay, cool. But now after watching Never Have I Ever, I'm much more inclined to read it. Sure. Mm. I'm not actually that super... I'm, I'm aware of her. I mm-hmm. definitely have seen stuff with her in it or stuff that she's been involved with, either producing or writing, but I haven't really watched The Office properly, obviously. Boo. People might me I need to do mm. that. I haven't watched the Mindy Project or any of those things, so... She's yeah. I'm not super familiar with her work mm. necessarily, or what her voice is mm-hmm. particularly. Um, but she seems like it's always been one of those things you keep hearing her name around. She's got projects on um, mm. stuff on TV, or this the Emma Thompson movie you're talking about, and mm-hmm. so forth. So she's obviously got yeah. She's she's influential or pro- uh, prolific. Prolific yep. is what I'm looking for. With that in mind, mm-hmm. can you please give us your spoiler-free review of? Never Have I Ever Season 1. I absolutely can, but I'm going to make you go first this time. Okay. 
And the first thing I want to point out here is that I went into this thing completely blind. Mm -hmm. I had heard, because this is one of those things about isolation at the moment, is there's lots of people talking about all sorts of different stuff on television. Mm. There's The Greatest Good Example, Mrs. America's on at the same time, hearing stuff about that, normal people's being talked about, freaking Tiger King was on, and then the other one was Never Have I Ever, and I kept hearing how good this show was, Mm -hmm. and sort of when you'd said you'd watched it, enjoyed it, we should review this show. But I literally had no idea what it was about, except that Mindy Kaling was uh, one of the creators of the show. And I'm very happy to say that I had a really good time with Never Have I Ever. It is a more than above average example of a high school slash family dramedy is where I would come at this from. Um, It has a lot of admirable attributes to it. Mm -hmm. Fresh perspectives and great representation. So obviously our lead here in um, Davey, she is an Indian American high school student Mm -hmm. um, and a female student as well which is just a a nice, fresh perspective. It's very female-centric and woman-focused in general. Mm -hmm. It's very much about her and her family, including her cousin and her mother and then her immediate female friends around her as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, sort of fresh perspectives on that to see such a woman-centric show. It's with very few real male characters that dominate the time or the spotlight, aside from one who gets a whole episode to himself, basically, which we'll get to as well. Mm -hmm. And virtually all these women are women of colour as well. Um, And then the very generations as well. It's just something very refreshing about that for sure. And a very atypical female lead, I thought, Mm. in Davy as well. She's smart, capable, ambitious, somewhat sexually driven for someone her age, and of all things angry, which I Mm. thought was something a bit different. I don't think we necessarily get angry female leads in these sorts of shows. And Mm. there was something very refreshing about that as well. It's a modern exploration of sex, sexuality, and even grief, which is really, really um, interesting as well. We'll get to that in spoilers. And like other things I like about this, it's very, like it normalizes therapy and like um, mental health and issues and talking about that stuff in younger people as well. Like There's a lot going on here that's really admirable in that sense. But as much as like those themes and stuff are great, they're, it's more about the execution where I'm just sort of left mm. going, oh, yeah, I'm happy with this, but I'm not blown away, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it mostly rides the fine line between its likable but flawed characters, though not always. And there's one character in particular who I think is on the wrong side of the flawed versus likable side. And they mm-hmm. try to make this character seem heroic or admirable at the end. And I'm not sure I quite got there. The show didn't do enough for me. I found them too irritating to want to invest mm. my mm-hmm. add time into them, my emotion into them. Um, it's got strong, I didn't think necessarily exceptional writing. Um, and one element that really didn't work for me, it's a very prominent element of the show, is that the voiceover is done by John McEnroe. <laughs> and I think in the first episode, it works fine. In the pilot, I can see what it was doing. It helps to mm. set up, like, give us some background and set up the scene and even sort of ties off why he's the one doing that voiceover mm. in the first episode. And then by the time we get to the second, third, fourth episode, I'm like, this is completely redundant and adds nothing to the show. I disagree. I just, I got, I don't understand what he's doing there, especially in a Mm. show that is doing such a good job at being Mm. female or women centric. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this old white man talking over it. I I quite liked that because I think when we're talking about like teenagers, particularly teenage girls, they're like heightened emotions are kind of seen as irrational or hysterical or whatever Mm -hmm. they might be. But I actually found it quite um, almost informative or giving me a different perspective of like anger as 
justified in the mind of people who are angry people sure. and John McEnroe kind of facilitating that for me a little bit and she wasn't just an angry teenager it's like oh no she's like an angry person mm-hmm. she has reasons to be angry and so that's why they have that connection I don't know it just kind of almost validated this teenage girl's emotions that she was feeling a little bit for me. Totally. And particularly in the first episode when they lean into that Mm. side of things, I think is when it works well. Mm -hmm. The problem was by episode three or four, um, they pull back on some of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not really the, the, the anger is not at the forefront of Davey at that moment. It comes Mm. back again a little bit later in the episode, in the season, not to give away spoilers, but like, then he's just making comments about like, there's one joke, which I think he's wrong about, by the way, where they say, oh, you know, you 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 decide you're a Gryffindor instead of a Ravenclaw, and he's like, "They're all Hufflepuff." I'm like, "Why is why is John McEnroe the voiceover commenting on this? Why is he the punch on that joke? It doesn't make sense to me that he is there. Mm. A, it just wasn't funny and not true because she is a Gryffindor for sure, or a Slytherin. <laughs> She's not Hufflepuff. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it just wasn't anything at that point. When we're talking about anger, yeah, mm. John McEnroe is a really interesting perspective mm. on that. Someone who is kind of celebrated for having a temper and mm-hmm. pushing back against authority and all those sorts of things. But it it isn't necessarily that. He's just commenting on the moment a lot of the times as a narrator. It's like mm. I would have appreciated Davey's perspective on this or not have it the narrator at all at that moment. Mm. It's leaned into, as I said, in the pilot really well and then I just thought it became redundant. That was my perspective. Mm, fair enough. I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, and, but th- I think the bigger thing was more as much as that – that he is a good perspective on that and definitely validates those things. It's then this ever-present older white male voice over the top of just telling the story of other women who aren't angry. Mm. Like It's like, when it's Davey, that's great. But when you're talking about Fab or Eleanor or someone, why is John McEnroe the one talking about... he? It, that that It's not important that he's the narrator at that point. I, I just thought, anyway, I just thought it's overused and lost its importance really early. Anyway, it's undeniably a good show overall, uh, but doesn't do enough for me to be screaming praise on the rooftops as I've seen many others doing. I actually, it kind of reminded me of the feelings I had for Mrs. Fletcher season one when we did that. Mm-hmm. In that it's not great, it's good, and I appreciate its representation. Um, and if anything, never have I ever did something that I wish wish Mrs. Fletcher did in that it did explore the relationship between a single mother and their troubled teenage child quite well. Yeah, it did. <laughs> like mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. And... I sort of, that was a setup in that show and then they didn't get to it in Mrs. In Mrs. Fletcher. Fletcher. Yeah. And in this show, they understood that there was a lot of drama there mm-hmm. and it was sort of actually the, That's the, most important the central thing. point of the yeah. entire season. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that because I did love um, her mother. Davy's yeah. mother was a fantastic character and one of my favourites in the entire show, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of just their uh, emotional complexity and what they're going through. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but I kind of am left wondering, and I wanted to ask you this, am I missing something? Was there, what am I missing here that I, so many people seem to be loving about this show to the point where they're singing its praises from the rooftop? Um, I don't know if you're missing something. I don't think there's like an element of the show that you couldn't comprehend. I don't or, think it's that either. No, I think like I guess I'm just trying to figure out what made it exceptional. Genuinely a really nice surprise that I don't think many, because I did, hadn't heard anything, hadn't heard any praises, just randomly I was flicking through Netflix and I saw it. I was like, and then I saw Minnie Kaling's name. I was like, oh, I was with Angela. I was like, let's just pop this on and mm-hmm. see how it goes. And we would just had a really good time. And I think at the moment, just having a really good time, that is a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. 
is something to celebrate. So I don't think, I mean, I don't believe the show is exceptional. Sure. I think it's really good. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. That's, so I don't, that's think you, I don't think you missed Probably anything. where I've landed there. Okay. Yeah. I just, I've literally seen like tweets mm. from people who I respect a lot. Yeah. Just like really hyping up mm. this show and how good it was. Yeah. I'm just sort of going, okay. But I, yeah. I also think that, you know, we are coming from a different, a, a, quite a narrow perspective of white Australians. True. And so, and some we are. The, some of the voices are, are similar yeah. aged male white Americans. Right, and and again, I'm just sort of going. Oh, what am I? I mean, I haven't here? read those reviews, so yeah. I don't know <laughs> what they're commenting on. Yeah. but I think you know it is something to celebrate. Yeah, different perspectives and diverse voices and all that stuff. Definitely. And so, if someone who does think it's exceptional because it's representative of an experience or just something that they found refreshing to see, then I get that. And I kind of it's almost repeating myself from the Mrs. Fletcher thing. It's like as much as I just short, thought that show was okay. Mm. I absolutely support the right for more representation in <laughs> average shows as much as they're in good stuff too. It's mm-hmm. like, I think yeah. it's a rite of passage that, you know, there's just more perspective and unique voices and stuff out there. Whether the show is amazing and like we're going to sing about, talk about it forever mm. or just enjoyable and, and an experience of itself and then we move on to something else. Yeah, That's I think um, Mindy Kaling, I can't remember where it was. Um, but she was doing an interview about the show and she was just saying, you know, I, I, there is quite a bit of backlash that, you know, it doesn't represent um, certain parts or aspects of um, her or that culture or the experience of like second gen, yeah. you know, kids growing up in America, um, that type of thing. And she's like, you know, I understand the criticism uh, and those people who have experienced that are going to probably be the harshest critics and the most valid I think and she's like you know is a huge responsibility you know if this is the first teen show or whatever Mm. with an Indian American Mm -hmm. um so she's like that's fine and I take I take those criticisms on board but you know this is just the first it's not representative of everything um but the more that we get the more that hopefully one day those people will get the representation that they would like to have that is a so such an unfair expectation, but I understand where it comes from. Yeah, right? there's she gets such a it. desire mm. to for that out there, um, and so when something you think you might identify with sort of misses the mark, I can yeah, see that the frustration comes totally. Not quite there, then it is. You know, with like queer content like 10, 15 years ago, mm. so often being disappointed or whatever, mm-hmm. and that it wasn't representative, or just, though most of the time it was just crap. Um, it was truly Which this terrible. is not, at least. and this is not. Yeah. Um, but I I understand the frustration. Sure. But I think Mindy Kaling and the rest of the team did a pretty good job. Well, let's get into your review then. Okay. So we mentioned the Mindy Project before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually a show that I struggled to enjoy at the beginning, but it did eventually win me over. I think Mindy Kaling proved herself to be an absolute master at capturing what can make a rom-com great, a balance of idealised romanticism with flawed and fully fleshed characters that give that story depth. And I think what I found with the Mindy Project was the character was so unlikable Mm. at the top and so obsessed with finding romance and love. I just found it almost unwatchable. This seems familiar. Yeah, but... She, I think she has the ability to, like, yes, that's on the surface, but allowing for those characters to be a little bit more nuanced and so you're able to get to know them as the series progresses, which is good. And I and I knew that already 
with the Mindy Project. Is that the premise of the Mindy Project, though? Is that like what when we saw the title? Because I've not watched a single mm. second of the Mindy Project. Yeah. The Mindy Project is it about her trying to like? Is that character's main drive is is finding romance? Yeah. So she's a, a character that is obsessed with you know having it all and like obsessed with rom coms and that kind of thing. But she's also a highly successful and driven doctor. Oh. And so she's a very strong individual, um, pop culture obsessed. Very similar. It's like. Um, Davy Senior, Senior. Yeah, like yeah, it's very absolutely. similar. It's clearly her voice. Yes. Um. So this has a very similar vibe to it. Sure. Um. So I knew that. So I was like, my hopes are pretty high for Never Have I Ever, and yeah, I think they, my expectations were met. Mm-hmm. I think the story of Davy is an entertaining one. You know, she's been put through the ringer over the last year and just wants to get over it and have a super hot boyfriend, which is simple enough. But then you add that she's a selfish asshole, has a proclivity for insensitivity, has a complicated relationship with her culture and identity, plus a giant chasm of emotional distance between herself and her mum. There is a lot there, but it feels true to being a teenager and is always infused with a nice amount of self-deprecating humour. Davy is a nerd, yes, but also incredibly confident. She's more intelligent, at least academically, than most of her peers and enjoys that power. She's able to throw out witty barbs to anyone that comes at her. Our protagonist is diving headfirst into any distraction that allows her to ignore an ocean of pain underneath the surface. And through all of that, the writing is sharp, emotionally resonant and genuinely funny. In saying that, though, not every character is a winner. I failed to connect with Davy's best friends. They each had their own storyline, but I wasn't able to garner much of an impression beyond surface tropes. Yeah, they were surprisingly shallow. Yeah, ultimately. you know, one's the drama student, the other is like the super nerd. Um, the love interests, Davy's love interests, while not overly complex, were given plenty of opportunity to be sympathetic. Though I think you disagree with that. One in particular. One in particular. Yep. Frustrating. We don't have our lead wasting time on assholes, though I think you would disagree with that. <laughs> um, and I, I like that the drama doesn't necessarily come from a romantic failing, but rather Davy's reasons for dating are the issue, which I like. And there's then they dive into that quite a bit, which I, I thought was helpful, I think, not only as an adult, but I think for teenagers to ask yourself why you want those types of things. The absolute standout performance for the show has got to be that of Porna Jagannathan. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. 100% agree. Who plays Davy's mama. This character's first impression, much like the show itself, I think, is a little lacklustre. Sure, she's funny, but she's not unlike other Indian mother characters I've seen before. But as the show goes on, we are given the opportunity to see a softer heart struggling to break through a weary and tough exterior. There has been so much pain for this woman who now has to navigate raising a child on her own in a culture that she has adopted but isn't entirely her own. Um, I just want to say, even early on, Mm. I was surprised by how engaged I was with that character because she... It could be very stereotypical, Mm. I think, Mm -hmm. um, of what we expect of those sort of like, um, yeah, overly strict or like uh, sort of Indian mothers or whatever. And even then though, there was something about the performance Mm. that was giving that a little bit more nuance and flair and just made me like her and engage with her. I think Mm. it all comes down to the, it's not necessarily, the the writing's not bad at all, Mm -hmm. but I really think it comes down to the performance from the actor. It's just so, she's engaging immediately. Yeah. 
With Davy's mother, there are frustrations for her as she struggles to connect with her daughter while making sure she's on the right path. Her compass is gone and she feels lost, but she isn't the type of person that lets people see that. Always tough and always unflappable. It's an engaging story to watch, made more stirring by the actress behind it, as you were saying. It's a real highlight of the series. So, if you need a bit of fun with a through line of heart and sincerity, watch Never Have I Ever. It's very good. Very nice. What would you give it out of five stars, Damas? Um, I'd give it like quite a high 3.5. Yeah, I'm, um, I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. I was somewhere between a 3 and a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really mean that it is good. It just didn't necessarily... The elements that jumped out at me, I really loved. Mm-hmm. And there was just a lot there I was just sort of going, hmm, ho-hum about, I guess. Mm. It wasn't necessarily bad. Um, so, I'm going to give it 3.5 as well, though it's probably the opposite end of a 3.5. Yeah. So, the lower end for me. Fair enough. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. I would love some more reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, though, if we could. If some Mm. people want to start throwing some reviews on there, it is incredible how much of a difference those reviews make. Mm. Um, So if you've got the time, if you're enjoying the show please head there right now. Just jump on your phone, give us the five-star review. You don't have to write anything and then move on. In the meantime, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. 
spoiler warning. From here on, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of Never Have I Ever. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Never Have I Ever up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Your hatred of Ben. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm going to put it out there. It's not a hatred of Ben. I think the mm-hmm. show does a good job, especially because he gets his own episode to talk about this, mm-hmm. but talking about why Ben is the way he is, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And yeah. by the end of the season, I definitely have a lot more sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. However, mm. I struggle to get on board if the show is telling me, and let's just assume for a second, that there's likely to be a season two and maybe... This won't go down as simply as it looks. But the season ends with a kiss between Ben and Davey. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly suggesting, let's say, if there was never another season, that this is the boy she should be with over um, Paxton. Mm. Or if that's the boy just in general that's worth her time, right? I have a real hard time thinking that that is true. Those two yeah, no, I don't are think that's so true. toxic to each other. Combative, it is yeah. unbelievable. But Ben in particular mm. says some stuff... That is truly, truly hard to forgive, I think, towards her. The first time we really meet him, we find out that they're the nickname they've got of UN, which mm, as I think the show nerds. says, yeah, which they think is this quote unquote gently racist, racist term <laughs> is actually because UN stands for unfuckable nerd. That mm. is so mean mm. and awful and a terrible thing to say to a human being. Yeah. Followed with things like um he says that he doesn't see women below a six when he's talking about Debbie's friends. <laughs> like he doesn't recognize yeah. them as human beings. Yeah. And then also, I think in the pilot or maybe in the second episode, accused her of faking her fucking illness. Like yeah. says that psychosomatic means that she's faking. Yeah. This guy's a fuckhead. <laughs> Yeah, he is. And she, they, he should not be with Debbie and Debbie, Debbie should not be with him. And mm-hmm. it's just, the, the show leaves it there and is trying so hard, so hard. Because early on, it's obvious mm. what they're going to do. Really yeah. early on. It's yeah. like, I just, I kept, said to, I said to Steph, we're watching, I was like, fuck, if they make Ben Endgame, I'm going to be so disappointed mm. here. And it was, I was like, boo, <laughs> boo. Because I, I, I think there's, a, there's things to sympathize with Ben about. Yeah. And his home life is obviously... Mm. Um, less than ideal. His parents mm. are absent, all these sort of things. I yeah. just, I don't think excuses behavior. And there's a, a, a talk at some stage um, with Davy about how just she doesn't get a free pass for being shitty just because her dad died. Mm-hmm. And the same needs to apply to Ben. Yeah, totally. And these two should not be together. Yeah, they're both total shitheads. Awful. Like, they're both awful people. They are both awful. And I, I, it's, again, it's like, I don't want to suggest that uh, Davy is better than Ben. Mm. I don't think she is necessarily, no. though he is. He is incredibly mean towards her in mm-hmm. a way that I don't think Davy quite gets to with him. But even so, she's terrible. The way she shoots her friends and stuff is mm. awful multiple times. Yeah. But the idea that those two could ever work together is just just take that off the table. It's just mm-hmm. not there. That upset me. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes. So I agree. Incredibly toxic. Oh. I think they're both the worst people yes. in the world. In the world. <laughs> you know Certainly I mean. in the world of the in show. In that world. Yeah. Um, I do like that on the surface they both look like terrible people, but as we get to know them more, then you realise there's 
reasons, not excuses for certain behaviors and that sure. type of thing. Um, I, I enjoyed that the friendship allowed them both to kind of develop a little bit more empathy, which was nice. Sure. Um, so that was like a good catalyst for change in both of them. And the friendship I'm on board with. Yeah, totally. When he's coming over for dinner and stuff mm. like that, I'm like, that I can see mm-hmm. working. That mm. we can find a place where yep. they can learn off each other and stuff. Yeah. Go on. I think it doesn't bother me all that much because I don't believe it's end game. I think Davy without a boy which we kind of get a hint of from the her conversations with the therapist sure. is probably going to be end game or at least comfortable with not having that source of validation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, I guess it didn't bother me all that much because it really towards the end of the season wasn't about the romantic relationships. It was about her relationship with her mum more. I guess like it just didn't. Which was amazing. But yeah. what's the final sequence? Well, it's nice to. I mean, teenagers going to watch it. It's nice to watch that. And this is this is kind of my point, though. It's like mm. we don't know this show gets a season two. Yeah. We don't know how much further it gets to explore this. Mm. It ends on this amazing moment, amazing sequence with the ashes, with mm. her father's ashes, with her mother and her cousin so on the beautiful. beach. So great, mm. really effective. Aside from the John McEnroe bit, which is forced, but like so effective. I love that, but yeah, <laughs> totally. It's totally forced, but I. She just kept it. running. It would be the same effect. <laughs> it did not need to be there, um, but. Then the choice is deliberately made mm. to make the final moment the thing you're left with in mm. your mind. But I think like when I was watching it and they were kissing, I didn't realize it was the last episode and then they kissed. Oh, I was deeply aware. Yeah. But even if you didn't realize at the time, surely once the credits roll and there's no more episodes, you go, oh, that was the last thing. No, I was like, oh, my television's broken. <laughs> I don't understand how Netflix works. Of course, like when the credits roll, there's no, no episode. It's... Yeah, no, I understand that. But I think it didn't feel final to me it felt like the opening up of the next step or whatever so i was like well what's going to happen after they kiss it didn't say to me that they were the absolute perfect romantic couple and they're finally together i didn't get that sense i'm like they've, they've become really cute friends which i love sure and the relationship would never have gotten there if they hadn't developed a friendship first mm-hmm. which i love mm-hmm. and they're two teenagers who are attracted to the opposite sex it, it made sense to me. I, mean, I didn't it, see it, it as... It goes a step further mm. in that they also show Paxton went to mm-hmm. Davy's house and mm-hmm. he, you know, is trying to rekindle something there. Game on. Like, well, that, that's what I mean. It's mm. like it's it's even going as far as to go, oh, boy, trouble. Who's she going to pick? Mm-hmm. It's like it, it. if the notion, if the idea is that somewhere along the line, Davy needs to get to a point where she's like, doesn't need boys or mm-hmm. doesn't need that validation. Mm. And again... I understand that can be way down the track and that that's not where season one should end. Mm. I still don't believe this season should end on, even if the the boy stuff is going to be, is intended. Don't end your one season that you may not get a second season to with, it's all about the boys. It just, it just sort of undermines the message. It's not all about the boys and it doesn't undermine the message at all. The message is, no, I don't think so at all. But I also think this is perhaps where you might be missing it is this is what teenagers want. I get that. They like that stuff. The message is absolutely there that the important relationship is with between her and her mum. That's where the real kind of um, closure is mm-hmm. for the season. To have an open-ended ending regarding boys and kisses and stuff is exciting. I just don't, for I don't think it's. I don't think it's open-ended. Like, 
Well, with Paxton arriving and stuff, you're like, well, which one is she going to choose? Well, because she's not thinking about Paxton. That that moment is yeah, but it's implied with like what's shown. But the, ben, but the when when you kiss the boy just before the credits, mm. if this was a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which may or may not get a sequel, Bridget Jones Diary or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. When you make that, it's definitive statement about what you've ended here, and we're I'm reviewing the no, season. No, I don't television think so because showing Paxton arrive. Is telling you that it's not definitive. Oh, or it's if it's all we get, then you just go, um, Paxton missed out, or where's Paxton at? How's he going to feel about this? And like, I just, I don't know, I really struggle. But you literally said just before Paxton arriving at the house makes you go, oh, which it, one is she going to choose? That's going to set you up for a sequel, yeah. is a possibility, but also the definitive moment with Ben, if that's all we get, that's what we're left with. Mm. That is it. That is, that is the moment. And it is, because I, I agree with you. The most effective thing, I'm going back over what I said before, is the stuff with her mom. Mm. And it's like, you all you need to do is have the Ben stuff before it. It's mm-hmm. like, don't make it the last thing. Make it the second last thing. Make it they get there. But I don't like the implication then that he's helped her and it's through that relationship that she's had with Ben that she's like, now that she's complete with a the boy, then she can heal with her family. She does that, yes, with his help, but that is her move to make there. And then now that that's resolved, then she can focus on the boy thing. But that's the problem. Then she focuses on the... I, yeah, I just, I, just, I just think it's a... It's I think such you can have both without have undermining I think either. You, I think you can have both too. It's mm. more the choice of like in, in cinematic language of when you choose to have those beats. Mm. The It's such a poignant, important moment, Those that last one. It has so much significance in terms of... Mm. of where you end the characters, mm. and I, I just don't think, think it's, it's the wrong that moment. terrible to end on that moment. I really don't think it's that bad. It, it, you literally just take it. You just have them having, like, they don't even have to kiss. Mm. Just all of that build up to Ben helping her to get there, right? Make that just a moment where you can see that she's appreciating what he's doing for him. No kiss at all. The next season can start with a kiss, and then you're but setting up what the next don't season want is. That. <laughs> they want but that like nice romantic moment, that and I, there's nothing I, wrong with having that. But I just don't like. Then we're arguing different things. It's like mm. this show was yeah. great because mm-hmm. while it's a show that's definitely aimed at teens, yeah. it had this message to say about grief and about yeah. your family and about all these different things Which that are going on. Which it had, on. and it the did. last kiss doesn't diminish that. I just I think it's mixed messaging at the end to make it. So focused on Ben at the end. It, it, there's a way I to do it and to so get there and yeah. have what you want and set up for next season if that's what you want to do. Mm. And not, I just really felt it under, it was undermining of that incredible last moment to have to go back to Ben. Because I like, guess, like, well, if, she doesn't have to go back to Ben, her well, no, birthday, but she but chooses that's to. That's what the show does. What I'm saying, when I say have to, mm. I don't mean Davey because. Yeah. Like, after credits roll, if that's what you decide to do, that's fine. Mm. I'm talking about what the structure, the cinematic language of this season mm. says when that is your final moment. It is, it's an important thing to end on. Mm. What your final image is. Yeah, and I understand the importance of it. I'm just saying, because you seem to think it's really bad to do that. I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I'm still giving the show a 3.5. Yeah. I don't think the show is terrible. I just, <laughs> it it frustrated me that that was the decision it made at the end. Mm. It, it would have been... For me, yeah, and like maybe not for the teen audience who wants the kiss. That's fine, mm. but also subversive and you know uh, progressive to not have to end with the kiss with the mm. boy at the end as well. I, know, I think like, it's a nice like punch in the air moment 
of like, yes, you've had your victory, but then you get bam, something that you want as well. I don't, I don't, I don't see why it's so negative. I just don't. And well, the other side of it is that they shouldn't be together at all. I yeah, mean, it's but, just like which is it's, it's like where it's, the story is going to go. But we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know that. If it doesn't get a second season, it doesn't go anywhere. That is just the final moment is her with but this that toxic is like, guy that she shouldn't creators, be with. As creators, like, that's the choice they can make. Totally. Though. Absolutely. And it is a TV show. And you can compare it to movies not having sequels. But I don't think it's a comparison that should be made at all. I think there's a lot of TV shows It's a shows Mindy Kaling do- project on Netflix. <laughs> it's very likely it's going to get season two. I mean, it definitely is. There's yeah. no doubt about <laughs> yes. it. But you don't, don't know, know why that. That's an argument. But you don't know But you Sure. Don't the world know could that. Explode it almost did, but it's very likely they will get a second you season. You haven't thrown back the best argument have, of all at me, though. What? Is that how season one of Community ends? Well, I don't. We're not talking about Community. I know what though. I'm saying is, right. though, I have no problem with that. Right. <laughs> right. You just want to have an issue with this one. No, I don't. It's just like, I, I definitely know that what mm. I'm saying is, is, I can contradict that in a million different ways. Mm. Um, but, like, I think if there was only one season of Community, I would have been frustrated with that ending of Community mm. Season 1, I probably wouldn't love Community the same way I do. We wouldn't be talking yeah. about it anyway. But that moment where Jeff kisses Annie, mm. spoils for Community, is super problematic. Yeah. Like, and it's only next season we get to talk about yeah. it. If that was where the show ended, I would have been like, and I love that show, that would have mm. been frustrating. That's why, like, I don't see the obsession with, like, well, it ended and that's it and it's ruined the whole show. There are still moments in Community that, yes, would have been great. Yes. Sure, you wouldn't have loved it as much. The, the but this adamant, like, but it could have ended, but it could end. I, well, it hasn't it, ended. And it can. And it hasn't, yes. Yeah. But we don't. <laughs> yes. I'm reviewing the season as it is, and mm-hmm. I don't have next season to see it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what next season looks like. Mm-hmm. We are assuming even when we say that the whole end game is going to be that Davy doesn't need. I would hope so, yeah. I, exactly. Or but they that develop that relationship and it's a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I guess just more explored as to why that totally. could be a good thing or a bad thing. Totally. Mm. And I hope that's the case as well. Mm-hmm. But we're projecting our expectations and our desires onto next season mm-hmm. to validate this moment mm. at the end of the first season and vice versa. I'm doing the same thing. I just thing think like the idea it. that, yeah, it undermines it. I just, it I, I, I really do think it not does. agree with that at all. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Nothing. That's I want most, you to get the, the most, fuck out of my house. That's the most heated we've been about talking about a show in a long time. <laughs> I didn't expect to have that conversation in Never Have I Ever. There you go. <laughs> um, well, we've already talked about the use of narration, which you hate. I, no, I, <sighs> it's not that I hate it. I just mm. think it loses its value quickly. Mm. It's great in the pilot. It yeah. works really well in the pilot, setting up mm. Davy's anger. Yeah. I like. I agree with what you said. This guy is like. Mm. John McEnroe was an incredible person to have in that. Mm. And then once he's not talking about Davey, I don't know why he's talking about what's happened with Fabiola. I don't yeah, know I guess about, like- if you don't enjoy the humour that it's bringing, then you just don't enjoy it. I thought his kind of um, not undermining. Now I've got that word in my fucking head. <laughs> that self-deprecating sense of humour. Or not self-deprecating, but deprecating humour. I know I enjoyed it, the kind of just making fun of Things that you take so seriously as a teenager and then with perspective you realise are ridiculous. I, I enjoyed that and I like – I thought John McEnroe did a good job. Oh, he was surprisingly yeah. good. I often – we watched this. I think you either like found it funny or at least amusing or you didn't and I did. No, yeah. I just – I thought it got, felt like it started getting in the way as the season mm. went on. Yeah, no, I didn't um, feel that. But I was surprised by how John McEnroe comes out to do the Australian Open every year mm. and commentate it and I love watching the yeah, tennis. 
And you don't like him. No, I think he is a bore in the oh, commentary I like box. Him. I find mm. him to be lethargic mm. and states the obvious and doesn't bring a whole lot to the commentary team. He was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's what funny when do? people give you lines, but I don't mind him in Neil's Open. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Let's talk about the friends. Let's talk about... Why ask me if you're just going to tell me what we're no, talking about? No, go on. <laughs> I'm throwing it to you. What do you want to talk about? No, let's let's do that. Let's get um, yeah, because I didn't really love that aspect. That's probably the weakest aspect for me. Sure. Because um, I actually found through Ben and Davey's really friendship growing that I found out more about Davey and then obviously Ben in that instance where I was really kind of hoping for that kind of treatment for the friends. Really, because we get such surface stuff. And yes, there's drama mm. happening, like things are happening to them, but it doesn't give me a deeper knowledge of who they are. So like the obvious place to go here um, and somewhere that your perspective is going to be much more important than mine is Fabiola mm. in terms of her coming out story. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about how it was handled? Was it doing much that you hadn't seen before? Did you appreciate what it was doing and how it was doing it? What were your thoughts? Mm. I mean... I'm not a teenager anymore, like, coming to terms with my sexuality. So, my perspective sure. is different from young people that might be watching it. Um, so, I have seen that story mm-hmm. many, many times. Um, some done a lot better. Some done a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Majority done worse, I think, particularly when I was growing up. <laughs> Some real shit, which usually ends with them killing themselves. So this is a nice change from that. Um, it seemed pretty like standard, I guess. Like I do enjoy the fact that I'm seeing this more and more with coming out stories is that telling your friends is a really non-issue, sure. which is good. And was like um, kind of reflective of my experience because mm-hmm. I remember my expectation when coming out because I only had like Degrassi episodes and stuff was that it was going to be this big dramatic thing. I told people that I was gay and they're like, well, obviously you only make out with girls at parties. <laughs> <laughs> you like, yeah, try to persuade all your straight female friends to make out with you when you're drunk. And I was like, fair call. But I was disappointed because TV had told me that it was going to be something else. Anyway, but now the the trend is that your friends in TV shows and films don't really seem to care um, or can see it coming, which is which is nice and mm-hmm. I think good. Um, so that was nice. Uh, but beyond that, it's yeah, it's something I'd seen before. Fabiola is a nerd who is also gay. Mm-hmm. That's all I know about her. I don't really know anything else about her, so which I think is a shame. At times as well, it's like when you say surface level, it's like the way they dress her and stuff. Oh, it's, my God. It's almost it's cartoony to the, to the point. It's particularly it's like cartoony on like someone who was stunningly ridiculous. beautiful. There was a point actually I, th- I thought it was really funny because they keep dressing her in like these polos and stuff like mm. that. And then she's hanging out with Eleanor at their house and she's really casual. I was like, you should wear that to school. Like, yeah. that's super fashionable Yeah, and I don't know why, do why she's dressing like a 45-year-old, like, IT guy. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand that. Like, you can, like, that's, in my experience, not how nerdy people dress. Um, certainly not, <laughs> what, 16-year-old girls living now dress. No. Like, it's, it's so, like, Urkel. I mean, I think, <laughs> going back to community, <laughs> that... You know, Arbed is a nerd. And I think most accurately 
dresses like one. Like he's always wearing like those graphic tees with science puns and whatnot. Like which is all exactly what the nerdy guys I know wear almost exclusively. So See, I there's, don't, there's like, a difference there. He is a pop culture nerd. She's not necessarily that sort of nerdy. She's very academically nerdy. This is not me defending it, by yes. the way, but there is a difference between that. I definitely. think there seems to be such a choice yeah. about those particular outfits, whereas I think if it looked like more it was something that she was not thinking about because mm-hmm. it wasn't a priority, that feels more organic to me sure. than that those ridiculous outfits that she was made to wear. Uh, what about Eleanor? Look, the word annoying comes to mind. Sure. Um, I wish the funny outweighed just the kind of that character that I've seen five billion times before. Um, we've done with probably, I think, sharper humor, with sure. probably more insights into what makes a drama nerd actually funny and ridiculous and over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with her mum. I mean, her mum is the worst person in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. She's, she's the, a monster. She's the <laughs> Though I did love the line, like the flashback where she says, you know, in order for you to like, you need to see me follow my dream so that you can follow yours. That's why I'm leaving you, which is just oh, beautiful. I love that. Sure. Um, in fact, so many of like, <laughs> it's totally random, but so many of like these self-help kind of gurus and stuff that like have these ridiculous podcast of which you're an expert on i am so many of them are like on their like you know second marriage or like divorce in the last like 10 years or something and they're always talking about like following their bliss and that's why like they ended their marriage or like they travel a lot and all of these things which sounds great sure but i wonder what their kids are going to say when they're like 30 and have gone through therapy and their mum was you know really self-possessed which is great but also what are the consequences of that level of self-possession, I think, which so I just really enjoyed that perspective. But yeah, Eleanor is, I don't know, Eleanor. Do you know Eleanor? No, no, not really. No idea, right? Mm. No, you're exactly right. They are a little bit surface level and it, it's, it is a shame because I think the the love interests of, and I'm like, David gets heaps to do, which yes. is great. She's completely the central focus of the story mm-hmm. and absolutely worthy of that. Mm. And we should talk about, I don't know, is there anything else particularly about David we want to talk about in terms of her journey or... Um, her as a character. I mean, in terms of Davy, I love this absolute focus on the other, on these external factors, so that she doesn't have to deal with the internal stuff that's going on. Sure. So Paxton is this new shiny thing, mm-hmm. which feels, yes, we do it all throughout our lives. Like avoidance is a great way to deal with stuff, as I've found. Um, but it's it does feel very teenage to me to be like, oh, if I if I have that, then particularly a boy, mm-hmm. then all my problems will be solved. And I, so I I really enjoyed that kind of like that fever that you feel when you have a crush on someone, or you sure. like you're obsessed with that person, as you remember my feelings for you in high school. <laughs> Sure. That fiery passion of practically stalking you. Um, <laughs> I wasn't aware of this. Were you outside my bedroom and I didn't always, know? Always, always. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so I, I really like that. And obviously when she has that fever pitch, isn't able to kind of get the results she wants and just explodes with these angry outbursts. So I liked 
all of that? Mm-hmm. Is it something you want to say about Davey I in particular? I, 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 I'm trying to think if there's anything insightful to say about her. I think she's just incredibly... Like, this is the difference between her and her friends. And it's the disappointing thing about having... Who I think are potentially two interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Davey is so well um, sort of illustrated or, mm-hmm. or brought to life by... The situation she's put in by the actress, she's an awful person, mm. <laughs> um, yes. terrible towards her friends, makes awful choices along the way. And and what's interesting about though is we understand what that's driven by in mm-hmm. terms of the grief and this hole in her life that's been left by this awful year, the mm. problems she has with her mother and that go back beyond the death of her father. This has been an ongoing issue that's this whole situation just elevated that to the next level mm. and that lack of communication that they have. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, just a completely three-dimensional. And I think, for at least what I've watched when it comes to like teen drama, mm. um, unique sort of female lead. I've not mm. seen a character like her who is like, she's not like hypersexual or anything like that, but what she's in like year nine or 10, the equivalent of, and she is horny. And it's like, it's fine. They talk about having sex. She's going to have sex with this boy. Mm -hmm. Eh, It doesn't work out that way, but it's everyone's, you know, her friends and stuff are cool with it. It's Mm -hmm. not a big deal that that's what's going on. I was interested by how um, casual the conversation of sex was, Mm. which I think is realistic of probably kids that age. Yep. Um, Especially these days. And... Yeah, I don't know. I just thought she was a really... I think that, yeah, like you say, that's probably why it's so jarring to then have these secondary characters. Yes. That, yeah, so just not realised. And I think Davey is very flawed and they uh, portray that really well and make it interesting and the balance of, like, assholery to humour is just enough that it's, you know, it's watchable and it is actually enjoyable. Um, I think... Yeah, I, it, it's a real shame that Fabiola's, yes, the whole coming out thing is an event that's happening to her. I wish it's it spoke to perhaps her flaws in that situation or her insecurities beyond just like, oh, I wonder if my parents will like me. I, I just... I think it's just ultimately all of it, they, those characters only go to serve Davey yes. in terms of making, realising her problems more. Mm. So, like, yeah. she's there there to be... The ones that she lies yeah. to. They're there to be the ones that are supporting her. They're mm. there to be the ones that she ultimately betrays. They're the yeah. ones that she ultimately ignores. Which makes the world feel flat when you don't give room for your secondary characters to come from, or at least the audience come from an informed place about their own choices. Sure. Mm. And just, and like, again, this is one of those things where if you want to look to a season two, you can see a world where those characters get to do a lot more. Yeah. But ultimately, it's just in this season, their function realistically, as much as we try to give them this Eleanor's problems with her mother mm. and Fabiola's problems with her mother, it's only there to prop up Davy's story. Yes. And that's the bit that's a little bit disappointing there. Whereas mm-hmm. the boys, interestingly enough, I think... Ben and Paxton mm. are given a way more to do that's way more interesting yes. than those. Agreed. And like, not that Paxton is a super active participant in the story. Mm. He sort of just sort of ebbs and flows depending on what the way the story wants him to be. Yeah. Ben is given a lot more to or do. Or the there. importance that, that Davey is putting on Paxton's yeah. shoulders. And then that's, totally. Yeah. Um, but that's just because he's a cool customer most of the time. Mm. Paxton, I mean. Um, yes. But the. But yeah, I felt like I knew Paxton a lot more. Yes, absolutely. Um, what? Well, he was allowed to be a person yeah. and not a stereotype. 
of like a character that you see in a teen show. In fact, he was kind actually, of, yeah, particularly yeah. for a jock type. Yeah, he was like kind of like subverting the expectations that we have that she's gonna pursue this really popular guy who's gorgeous. Turns out he's nice. Um, not only is he nice, but also has like you know some level of insecurity about certain aspects of his life, particularly mm-hmm. his relationship with his sister, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, and yeah, even Ben, who is an asshole just like Davy, we get to understand why. We get to see him have some beyond that like asshole character or rival character. See some like real vulnerability there, which is nice as well in in terms of being able to sympathize mm-hmm. with him, which is good. Um, yeah, I think we're able to see the human side of both the love interests, which felt nice. Yeah. It really did to kind of... See why either Davey would or would not be interested in either of those guys. Where were you left? What were you left feeling about Paxton by the end of the season? We talked a lot about Ben. What were you not thinking about Paxton? Um, I was like, Paxton is really lovely mm-hmm. um, and gorgeous. And if she wants to go to the bone zone, fucking get it, girl. <laughs> in terms of a relationship, they have nothing in common. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 At least but with Ben, she has something in common. She does have something him. in common, though there I th- felt as much... See, the thing with the stuff with Paxton most of the time mm. was a lot healthier. It was just Davey was the one who was sabotaging mm. things so often with her <laughs> choices. Um, yes. I, it's like... Uh, there, I was trying to think if there's anything unreasonable at what Paxton did. There was a conversation Steph and I were having about when Paxton kisses her, mm. when he drives her back, that that was taking advantage of her situation, which I don't think is true. Can you remind me of what happened just before that? They had the massive... She had the fight um, with Fabiola. Oh, and yeah. And then she fell into the pool and then he helped her. Mm. Helped her. She was like... This, you know, Scarlet Letter was on her at that yeah. point. Helped her get changed, gave her a clothes and drove her home because... She needed to be home in time mm-hmm. to not get caught. And then he's just driving. He doesn't seem to be pushing himself on her or anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a lot of connection up to this point, I thought. Like, they've yeah. come and no, gone. No, I don't think he was taking I don't think there was anything there. She was all. obviously, the, commu- the way the show was communicating it, she was absolutely besotted with him at that point. Yeah. She's watched, they're driving and it's like... Keen AF. Uh, she, mm. she is feeling the moment yeah. and then he kisses her and she absolutely wanted that and I don't think that mm. was outside of like she wasn't vulnerable or in a different position than she normally would be with him there no I think maybe if he had like caught up with her at the party when she's wet and vulnerable and like clearly very upset that's different he's literally driven her home mm-hmm. um yes and she has overtly stated her intentions towards him yeah. um and i think but at that point we understand paxton's um personality enough to know that he's a very respectful person yeah. <laughs> um particularly with boundaries uh in terms of like when they were first trying to hook up and stuff and yeah he was so, he was up for it but he was also like you know yeah, not pr- it no wasn't pressure, pressure. <laughs> it was yeah. just like sure yeah he's like if this is something that you want sure um i got and was like yeah, yeah, no, I just, it's hard to fault yeah, that. Yeah, when she yeah. was like, oh, no, he was like, yeah, no worries. Like, so, yeah, no, I don't believe that he's the kind of person that would be taking advantage. And then when he called that off, mm. it didn't come from a place of like, I'm frustrated that you're not having sex with me. It's like, yeah. I don't think you know what you yes. want here and this is not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you are like, all over the place and yeah. don't seem to be well. Yeah. So, perhaps it's That's not like, good. hard to fault that. I really like Paxton. <laughs> 
Maybe that's why I didn't like no, the ending. I, she should be with Paxton. When I was watching it, I was like, one, <laughs> I either hope my son is like him or two, sure. like the my, the children that I have that are attracted to uh, men or male identifying people mm-hmm. like a guy like Paxton. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, he's a total dreamboat. So I was very encouraging of her to get on that day because um, I think it's healthy. Okay, let's talk about. <laughs> I, I don't think here, you're here. wrong. Here, yeah. here. Cheers to that. Exactly. Let's talk about Davy's family for a second. There. Let's actually start with Kamala, mm-hmm. um, her super hot cousin, mm-hmm. Indian Eva Langoria, as I like to call her. Sure. They're very similar in okay. sort of like <laughs> facial structure and like even some of the ways that she like says things. I thought was interesting. Anyway, I don't agree, but that's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, her storyline. She, yeah, well, I don't know. What do you think of Kamala? I enjoyed her as much as her storyline mm-hmm. doesn't really stand out as being particularly. Yeah, I think it was a she was a good presence to have in the house mm-hmm. um, to break up the tension between Davy and her mum, as well as um, be a nice uh, comparison to how her mum treats Kamala as opposed to Davy, which is good. Um, in terms that of- moment in the second last episode is incredible. I think where she's like so sympathetic mm, and helpful yeah. of Kamala when she's dealing with this like awful situation with her potential future husband and her current boyfriend. Yeah. And like uh, it's Nalini, I think it is, or Nalini is the name mm, of the mother. Yes. Is, yeah, just that I was pissed off for Davy in that mm-hmm. moment. It was infuriating. Like, it is infuriating, yeah. Yes. It was yep. beautifully recogn- realised that moment. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, as like teenage me was like, fuck you, mum. But also Kamala is an adult and all that stuff and Davy is not. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I think that element was really good. I enjoyed it more when she was able – she had not a connection, but when Davy knew her little secret and they were able to have a bit more of like an honest relationship, I I dug that and I hope they go further into that in season two. Mm In terms of the arranged marriage, um, I felt like it was a story that I had seen before. Surprisingly done. Yeah. Um, whether it's in stuff I've watched or even just in stories I've heard from real mm-hmm. life of people su- finding surprising compatibility with yeah. arranged marriages. Yeah, it yeah. was interesting. I mean... But yeah, done. Yeah, I think I was very interested in... The arranged marriage storyline. I think I was looking for perhaps a new perspective that someone who is not aware or has certainly not experienced that situation um, at all, either directly or indirectly. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I want to know more about it, and mm-hmm. I was excited to ha- to perhaps explore that. But it was yeah, like. Like I said, something that I'd seen before. So, I didn't get a new perspective or understanding, I don't think. If I'm being charitable, maybe that's something that would be interesting to see in season two is more mm. of a discussion about like what that process is like now. Yes, you've made this connection with somebody the first time you meet them. Yeah. But once you get start talking about marriage, mm. like what does that look like? Yeah, like this, the structure of marriage when it is an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what the beginnings of that type of marriage looks like. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated to see that. So, yeah, hopefully we would get more of that. Something I found highly refreshing about this story, though, mm. was when uh, Kamala talks to her boyfriend and's like, I want to keep this a secret 
and mm. not tell my parents rather than him getting all huffy about yeah, that. He was like, he yeah, was yeah, like no, fine. yeah, fine by me. <laughs> I was like, correct answer. And that's just refreshing that we don't have to have that drama. Like yes. he doesn't, he doesn't have to get pouty and upset about that. It's like, I get it. Culturally, mm. this is really co- difficult for you. And I just want to be with you. Yeah. It's like, and I also cool. like that she was like, you know, you're my first boyfriend. I like you, but it's not that serious, which I liked as well. Totally. Uh, let's finally talk about Nalini, Nalini. Sure. Debbie's mum. Yes. Debbie's mum. Yes. Uh, as we said, our favourite probably performance mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. show. So funny. So, so funny. So she funny. has the She's funniest amazing. lines and delivery, I yeah. think, of the entire show. Mm-hmm. A lot of my side notes are just her yeah, quotes. Yeah, I've got a lot of those as well. Yeah. Um, and just by far the most, by the time you get to the end of the series, the most emotionally nuanced character, I think, mm. in terms of we get such understanding of... The struggles, like what it was like when she was a parent, when she still had her husband around. Mm-hmm. We instantly can reflect back on what that must have been like ever since then. The desire, like when they go to, I can't remember what it's called. They go to that Indian festival at um, Davies High School and they're outsiders. And to understand that like they're not, she's not particularly popular mm. or that. Ganesh Puja. Thank you. I and that so. she um, is really struggling not having her partner there anymore Mm. and is like this idea that she wants to go back to India while obviously awful for Davey. Mm. You can't help but understand where that's coming from. Yeah, you get it. Totally. She's She's so isolated. Totally. Missing her supports and her structures. And the only family she really does have other than Kamala um, is someone that doesn't really like her or understand Mm -hmm. her and she doesn't like or understand them. Um, and Kamala is, yes, she is a help, but also someone that she is responsible for as mm-hmm. well. And so she's under a huge amount of pressure. And I thought, and I can understand why people might think these moments are cheesy or a little over the top, but I thought in terms of like this, the tone of the show, even in its humour, can be like quite silly and over the top as well. So when we have those sentimental moments when she's reflecting on her marriage, yeah, um, I found really affecting and beautiful. I, agree. I think because it is such a, a hard character yep. to then look back at moments when Davy isn't really present or even alive yet and to see kind of like why her husband was such an important part of her life and played an integral part in the family, not just as a patriarch, but as like a source of light and love for everyone. Yeah, and that's interesting as well because it's so easy to like create, make the dad or the husband feel like a saint, Mm. right? Every interaction, every memory they have of him is a positive one where he is somehow the coolest, funnest, (laughs) loving guy in the room and is just doing everything perfectly. And like that's a little bit of a trope as well. But I think it was... You see why people reflect on oh totally have gone in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but the it was effective enough i don't think it was leaned on too heavily in fact there were sections of the of the show where he just disappeared he mm. was obviously a lot in the pilot and then moments here and there where he sprinkled back in when davy comes home at the end of the second last episode i think mm. it is or the third last episode and he's there at the fridge it's the third last i think third end of the third last you're right yeah. and um he's there in the kitchen mm. and like it was, I got a shock, not because I thought he was alive or anything, but because I was like, oh, I'd forgotten that this was something mm. she was struggling with. It's mm-hmm. like she was regressing back to this. But Yeah, which I loved the fact that, like the character, we had kind of pushed that stuff down yeah. and yeah. then 
you know, when sh- she's gotten the thing that has been the distraction for so long, mm-hmm. it's less than of a distraction. And so then her brain goes back to what she needs to be dealing with but doesn't want to. And I was like, well done. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I thought that was really used effectively for both um, Nalini and for Davy. I was mm-hmm. really, really impressed with how that all that stuff was done. Mm. Yeah. The, the, for me, the, the, my favorite stuff was with Davy and her mother. And I'm really glad Great. that's where the show ended mm. and that it, um, it, it built up to that so naturally. Mm-hmm. Did you like the therapist and the use of Davy going to therapy as well? And Nalini at the very end, in a sense. Yeah, I, I think it's nice to see a therapist on TV who is good yes. and offers some really great advice but also doesn't like placate the bullshit. 100%. He's like, well, you can, yeah, if you don't want to be here anymore, that's fine or like, you know, you need to be focused or thinking about like why you want a boyfriend and just having a boyfriend to have one is not a good place to be coming from and all that stuff, which is great. I was, as I was watching it, I was thinking, I was like, is this having a like black woman therapist? Is this the new like, you know, spiritually wise black woman character that's being used? Because I, because obviously they use um a similar thing in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I've seen it in a couple of shows now. And made me go, is this a thing? And then I Googled it and someone had actually written an article actually, about it. Mythic Quest has this as well. It's yeah. not a therapist, but the HR woman is, yes. she's black woman as well. And she's like the one they all come to. And she says, I'm not your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking hundred percent But yeah, true. someone had written an article about it. I was like, it's, okay, people are noticing this. Yeah. That instead of like either having the the black best friend or like this random older black woman spiritual guide. Now there's just like a lot of TV shows and stuff. They're using black women therapists. And while oh, they're shit. like, uh, there are positives to that. Also, it, it is just like a black woman servicing the emotional needs of usually a white person. Yeah. This one, it isn't. It's another woman of color, which yeah. is actually quite nice to see, but that is something that I have noticed. Um, but no, I thought the actual use of the therapist was really, really good and offered insight to um, mental health that perhaps teenagers would do well to, you know, listen to. And, and just that therapy the idea is th- normalized. That's the bit for yeah. me was the way it was like. It was totally normal. Mm-hmm. It was never like, it, yeah, it, it felt like a great, uh, not ad for, but like endorsement of therapy mm. and how therapy can be a normal thing and like and a practical part of And can be a sanctuary, your- particularly for young people who can't talk to their parents. Having like, go having the opportunity, and it is a privilege for a lot of people, to see a mental health practitioner is it can be so beneficial, particularly when you're going through things that you don't want to talk to your parents about. You mm-hmm. might be embarrassed to talk to your friends about whatever it is. Like there are people out there that you can go to and have really honest conversations with, with no judgment. Yeah. I thought it was good. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Mask. Yes. Do you have any side notes? I do. Just a few moments that I enjoyed. Um, one was in when Davy's mum. So Davy's throwing the book out the window mm-hmm. and says this lie about this bird that's flew in and flown out. And then m- the mum goes, "Are you lying to your mother and bringing shame upon an innocent bird?" Which I very much enjoyed because she, she was so upset that Davy would yeah shame this poor bird, which I enjoyed. Um, also, just when the Davy and her friends are doing the TikTok. 
and you see Davy's mum come out, see what they're doing, talk to Davy, take her away, and then Davy just comes back with a white T-shirt yes. underneath the dress. Yes, yes. Which I appreciate because I had very strict parents and that's absolutely something my parents would have done. Um, if they had let me film a TikTok at all, uh, <laughs> they definitely wouldn't have. Um, also, uh, just something I noticed was like when Fabiola gets her nails done yes. and she gets cute little chickens, mm-hmm. I noticed um, in a close-up she's typing with her nails and there aren't little chickens on them. Oh. Which I was like, oh, okay. Um, and just the the Rick and Morty fan page, Ben's. Um, <laughs> that was a very interesting part of the Ben Made thing. I was trying to think, I was like, okay, what's your angle here? Because there's obviously been a lot of discussion about like Rick and Morty mm-hmm. fandom toxicity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, keep going with this. They didn't really. No. I was I was like, that's surface level. Maybe it was next- more of a reference. It wasn't enough of like, he didn't delve into that idea of that toxic culture for boys like him. No. I was a bit but disappointed. I, I didn't just simply enjoy like his kind of self-righteousness about like how the forum should be run and stuff. I just thought it was just a, a funny little touch that I enjoyed. Sure, sure. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, some favorite lines. Uh, she's just so Indian. Like the other day she said she was going to open the TV instead of turn on the TV, which I don't know what that means. Yes. And that's what I fucking love about yeah. it. Because I'm sure there are people yeah, I was of like, Indian culture. I was like, culture. they must say that in India that or like within Indian American families. Yeah. And to someone that's going to be the, like spot on, oh my God. You've They'll got- be cacking themselves Exactly. That one. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Yes. You know? I and love- now I know that. And now I know that. <laughs> yeah. But just like reminds me of like, I can watch like an episode of Community or something like that. And a specific pop culture reference that mm-hmm. like- 10%, 1% of the yeah. population is going to get. I mean, and even feel like an insider the in Rick moment. and Morty stuff when the guy's like, you know, and they think I'm a Jerry or whatever. It's like, I was like, are there people, would people who haven't watched Rick and Morty just be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Would it even matter? Probably As someone not. who watches Rick and Morty, I wanted to roll my eyes when that was happening, yeah. but yes. <laughs> uh, turn on the AC. There are people in Siberia who would kill to be this hot. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got that in some of my notes as well. Yeah. Uh, Kamala, please lower the spice level accordingly once <laughs> Ben was in the house. You're a racist, Paxton, holy sheeta. I just thought that was a great <laughs> sentence as well. Uh, and some straight observations. Uh, the app ideas on the whiteboard when they were having to do the mm. apps to like help with World War II. The good ones? There were some good ones in there. Yeah. Um, Tinder, but for wood, I thought was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Shazam for siren, sirens would actually be kind of brilliant. The idea you hear oh, a siren, there's different sirens, and for you different don't things, know yeah. what it's for, and so you like hold it up and go, "Oh, this is a like." That's true. I was like, "That's actually kind of yeah. useful." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I already said the bit about how McEnroe says that Davy, Fab, and Eleanor are Hufflepuffs, and that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. De- De- Davy, in- Davy in particular is either a Gryffindor or a Slytherin. No fucking doubt about it. Yeah, probably a Gryffindor. I think. I do think Eleanor is probably a Ravenclaw. Right, uh, Eleanor would be a Ravenclaw, or Eleanor could be a Hufflepuff. I think she that could Fabiola be. would be a Ravenclaw. Mm. Oh, because she's incredibly intelligent. Yeah, she's really. Is she weird enough though? Because Ravenclaws she, the are more kind dress. of eccentrics and stuff as well. I think. I think. Yeah, definitely Eleanor is a Hufflepuff for me. You what? definitely think. I think so. She's just that dorky enough, emotionally like driven. Yeah, she's very... not super bright, is she? No. She doesn't seem to be. She's emotionally intelligent. But, you know, you're probably right. That makes her a half puff. Yeah, yeah. But there's no, definitely Slytherin or Gryffindor for the other, for Dabby. Uh, mm. We shouldn't have put so much energy to that. <laughs> Ben's dad gets so close to his face. Did you recognize this? Oh, there's a no. bit where in Ben's episode, mm. he's sitting down. I think it's his birthday and um, his mum 
and his dad mm-hmm. is there and his dad is like, I can't show you, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's like centimeters away from his face. And the actor playing Ben is doing a really good job of trying to make this not look weird, but it looks fucking weird. He's talking oh, to him like notice. this far away. It's just like, that is uncomfortable to look at. It's very odd piece of acting. I don't know whether he was told to get closer for the shot or whatever mm. it is, but it's like, and like, this is not social distancing. It's just like, that is like, you're inside my bubble. Maybe like you would have noticed it less uh, if we hadn't had to stay so separate. Like I've noticed just it was like, are you movies going to and stuff. kiss him? Why are you doing this? When people go to parties or hug, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I have that anxiety. Oh, also about the parents. Um, it's nice to see Mindy Kaling using some alumni from the office, which Absolutely. is cute. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I did like about the Ben and Davey stuff, mm. I loved the double kiss attempt from Ben at the party because that (laughs) was like a fresh take on an old cliche. Mm -hmm. There was one thing I did sort of feel about the show at times is that like it didn't necessarily transcend and like that's asking a lot, but it didn't necessarily (laughs) transcend like- I want my TV to be transcendent. (laughs) The Mm. like teen drama comedy Mm. tropes necessarily. It was sort of, while it had some fresh perspectives, it was sort of on about the same level. That moment I thought was like, that's a cool take on an old, Mm. an oldie where you're like going for the kiss, there's a misunderstanding. Davey's like, it's cool. Yeah. And then he tries again. again. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. which, and then she walks away. Which felt very so accurate like, for like a teenager, particularly yes. a teenage boy. Um, I also like that while Davy is desperate for a boyfriend and Ben has kind of realised that he's starting to have feelings for her, that she, has, she hasn't arrived there yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice for her to be like, what the f- This is coming from nowhere, which I like. Um, just a couple more. Mm-hmm. When you're running late to meet up with somebody, mm-hmm. maybe rather than just start driving, give him a call. Like, mm-hmm. call them on the way and say, hey, I do want to come spread my dad's ashes. Don't leave yet. Mm. Don't just get disappointed when you get there and they've left already. Call Fair ahead. Fair point. Fair point. Bit weird. <laughs> uh, and finally, and this might be a little bit mean-spirited, does looking like Ruby Rose mean you have to act like Ruby Rose? Oh, man. <laughs> also, she doesn't look like Ruby Rose. She's got the same haircut and wears a leather jacket, but go on. That's exactly what I mean. Okay. <laughs> just so specifics. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like... Does she act? Oh, you mean uh, she just, just acts before, badly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Told you it was misread. Yeah. Uh, just was like, oh, you, yeah. You were not chosen because of your acting ability. Yeah. Sometimes it it really does bother me that when um, queer characters are, they hire actors who either are or look queer, but don't have the chops to mm-hmm. pull it off, mm-hmm. to pull anything off, which I find annoying. Great. Mm. Least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? I didn't have one. Okay. I, I enjoyed most of them on par with the next, I think, yeah. Um, I've chosen episode five, started a nuclear war. I love the naming conventions of the episodes, mm, by the way, the dot, yeah. dot, dot. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. it's very fun. Um, uh, I think at that point I was just getting a little bit over the John McEnroe mm-hmm. uh, voiceover. It was sort of came to a head there. Mm. And then it's the friend focus one quite a bit. Which it is was boring. the friend focus mm-hmm. one. And then the stuff with the UN... Particularly the whole like everybody chanting World War Three, World War Three. I was like, this doesn't make any sense for these people to be doing this. They're going to be taking this incredibly seriously. And mm-hmm. the idea of while I can see why Davy is self-destructive in this moment, yes. I don't understand why everybody else is here. And it's sort of just like, uh, just felt a little half-baked that whole thing to me. Yeah, that not major criticisms, but mm-hmm. just sort of elements where the show was just a little weak and that should have been favorite episode. I kept like bouncing between the first and the last. Sure. Um, first episode is excellent. It's a really it good pilot. It's really good. Yeah. I think I will go with the the final episode though, just because I find that 
last moment on the beach, I was like weeping. I, I was, and it was such a payoff for a really well told story about that family. And one thing I really enjoyed about this show is that grief wasn't used as like a, a just this kind of one note blanket of badness or sadness on the family. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, we're all just sad. It really showed how grief was interacting with each individual and how it was playing out for them. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but then how dealing with that infiltrates how you can deal with one another. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really good. And the way they did that throughout the season was great. So that when we do get to this final moment in the last episode, it was really cathartic and wonderful and really beautiful in its like lameness, I guess, in like terms of like, you know, beautiful day and stuff. Like it just felt emotionally honest, honest um, without being saccharine, I guess. Like it was, it was just joyful and healing and yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I liked it. Um, sort of maybe. Remember how Kidding Season 2 ends in sort of a similar sort of place? Mm-hmm. And it's like it is just joyful and healing yeah. and like – there's real positivity there and you yeah. can't help but go, that's the right yeah. where, where and, we should And be. go like, I'm glad I watched that. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give my favourite episode to episode nine, Had to Be On My Best Behaviour. Mm. Because actually for similar reasons. That was because, on my list for a long time as well. Yeah. yeah, and probably because it is the reason that that ending works. Mm. If you didn't, I mean, I think it's just a fun episode and maybe a bit cliche to have the whole like, oh, I got to get rid of my boyfriend because my husband I'm being set up with or whatever is here sort of <laughs> thing. Classic. Like, classic. Mm-hmm. It, that is fun in of itself. And then what they do with it though in terms of we've set up at the very end of the last episode that Davey is having this sort of regression back to grieving about her father. Mm. And then we have that moment when um, Nalini, Nalini is uh treating Kamala so di- Kamala so differently than mm. she treats Davy her own daughter. Yeah. And how that sets Davy off and then that I wish you were the one who died that night. Like there's always been the tension between mm-hmm. the two of them. But the boy stuff was always seemed to be the more important yeah. thing. And then right at the right moment they bring it back to mm. this so that we can have the catharsis at the end yeah. and really get the growth that we need. Yeah. It's just very well structured, yeah. I think. And I love that, like, because I've, you know, you've seen that scene before where, like, a parent or someone has died and then the kid goes, you know, I wish you had been the one who died, yes. which I've seen before. But I think in demonstrating what their relationship was in the past and then cementing that in Davy's mind with how she treats Kamala, I think it really made it more poignant because you, yeah, like Davy lost her one ally, the one person that like knew she had this fiery anger within her, but was able to speak to her, you know, like a productive and constructive way and allow her to be seen without invalidating her feelings. Mm. That's gone. And now she's left with the person who does not understand her, doesn't really want to seem to want to take the time to understand her. So at that point we absolutely understand her perspective and it doesn't feel cliche. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And the last couple, I just think the last couple episodes are really, 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 really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, any predictions, hopes, or concerns for a season three? Season three? Season two. Jumping season ahead two. There. <laughs> season two. Um, my hope is that Davy will, now that she will have both boys served up to her on a silver platter, mm-hmm. methinks, 
um, she will have to reckon a little bit with what she actually wants and values in that. Um, and I think perhaps a complication with that will be like the status and he's a beautiful boy of Paxton with someone who is perhaps a bit more challenging and who she has more in common with. Um, I would love for more development of her friendships. Yeah. Or her friends. I think that would be really important thing to focus on to take this show to the next level, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I'm just excited to see more of the family. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely uh, interested to see. The risk for me is the stuff with Ben and Paxton. Mm-hmm. That's the, the the riskiest place the show can go is there in terms of what is it ultimately trying rote, to man. say. Yeah. Either come a bit rote mm. or uh, I don't know. I just the Ben you worry ben, about messaging. Ben as a character, I there's potential to say something really interesting about someone like him. Mm-hmm. I think the Rick and Morty thing, like he's a participant on those message boards, shows they understand Hints that at something that they guess, yeah. so take it to that next level and make sure we get that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell you what I want. This is what I wish had happened this season, which would have helped me come to terms with them sort of ending up together, quote unquote, at mm-hmm. the end. Is just a conversation about an apology, right? Mm. From Ben or Davey to each other about how they spoke to each other. Yeah. Acknowledge that when you say you're an unfuckable nerd or that your friends so are mean. less than a six, therefore I don't see them, mm-hmm. is extremely problematic yes. and that that is something that you should be ashamed of because mm-hmm. I know they have an appreciation for each other now to some degree. Mm-hmm. But there hasn't been a reckoning There's not been a reckoning happened. of that treatment of each other. Yeah. I, I really want that. If you can get that, I can definitely get on board with Ben because yeah. I, I don't hate the character. I just... Yeah, I'd like to say that I just too. think that's really missing from that. Maybe I didn't communicate that earlier. That that That's part of the reason I struggle with that ending mm-hmm. It's just because that has not been reckoned with and it's so important to me that it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I genuinely hope that that is an aspect of season two. Yeah, yep, definitely. And and even if she does end up with Ben, I hope they don't just throw Paxton under the bus and character assassinate him. Which I don't I think, think they have, will. I don't think they will either. But I think I feel like I've seen that too, where the nice guy sort of becomes. I don't know. Somehow they make him toxic when he wasn't toxic before. Yeah. No, I I think this show's smarter than that. I, I hope don't that's think true they will. As well. Um, and agreed. I think the, we need to do a lot more with Fabiola and Eleanor. Yes. There's potential there for those characters. Mm-hmm. Let's find that next level with them. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thank you, listener, for checking out this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Mask. You can find me at at on whatever mm-hmm. at Twitter <laughs> <laughs> at Maskymo M A S K Y M double O. I also have a new podcast out called Seizing Up. It's just a little comedy improv thing that I'm doing, making fun of self help podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Definitely check that out. I've been listening to that on my way to work. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Next episode, we'll be back to do our final bonus Quarant TV episode. Woo-hoo! We've got a bunch of your suggestions. We're looking forward to going through those together and discussing those briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get that episode out to you. And then after that, what do we decide we're going to do? We're going... Is it Run? Uh, to check out Run Season 1. This is the new Phoebe Waller-Bridge produced, maybe written. Um, I can't show. remember. The HBO series Run anyway. Looking forward to talking about that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And-
So, if you need a bit of fun with a throbbing... Nope. <laughs> you know, that whatever the next word was could have been right no matter how you went about it. 